It was Miss Silver's practice to open her letters at the breakfast table. True to the maxims instilled into her when still extremely young, she was in the habit of giving duty the first place in her life. A call for her personal or professional assistance, whether by post or telephone, would therefore naturally precede any dalliance with the morning papers, of which she took two, one of that aloof and lofty character which made even the most world-shaking events seem to be taking place at an immense distance and to have very little bearing upon daily life, the other frankly given over to headlines, a lively presentment of politics and such immediate and pressing matters as who had been married, murdered or divorced. She picked up the letters and sorted them out. There was one from her niece, Ethel Burkett, who was the wife of a bank manager in the Midlands. She opened it at once. Roger, the youngest of the three boys, had not been very well when Ethel wrote last, and it was a relief to read in reassuring phrases that he was now quite himself again and had returned to school. A piece of family news followed. Mrs. Burkett wrote, You will, I know, be delighted to hear of the safe arrival of Dorothy's twins, a boy and a girl. They are fine babies, and she and Jim are perfectly delighted. Really, after ten years of having no children and being dreadfully unhappy about it, they haven't done so badly, have they? First a boy and then a girl, and now both together. Personally, I feel that they should stop there. Jim, being Ethel Burkett's brother and Miss Silver's nephew, this was intelligence of a most gratifying nature. Two coatees and three pairs of infant socks had already been dispatched to Dorothy Silver, but it now became imperative that the gift should be doubled. She remembered with pleasure that she had plenty of the sock wool, and that only yesterday she had noticed some very attractive pale blue balls in Messiter's wool department, which would be just the thing for the little coatees. Leaving the rest of Ethel's letter to be read at her leisure, she turned to one from her other niece, Gladys. It contained, as she had expected, a number of complaints, and more than one hint that an invitation to stay with dear auntie would be some slight mitigation of her lot. Miss Silver had a kind heart, but it did not dispose her to pity Gladys. She had married of her own free will. Her husband was a most worthy man, if rather dull. He had been no less so when she chose to marry him. He was now not quite so well off. Very few people were. But Gladys, having married to escape the necessity of working for her living, considered it a grievance that she was now obliged to sweep and dust and cook. She did all three very badly, and Miss Silver felt a good deal of sympathy for Andrew Robinson. A glance at the untidy, scribbled page, having assured her that the letter was just what she expected, she laid it aside and took up a letter with the Ledbury postmark. She knew Ledger well and had many friends there. But this large, distinctive handwriting was strange to her, the paper thicker and more expensive than most people could now afford. She straightened out a double sheet and read. Mrs. Smith presents her compliments to Miss Maud Silver and would be glad if she could make an appointment for some time between 10 a.m. and noon tomorrow, Thursday. She expects to be in London and will ring up from her hotel to confirm the appointment and decide upon the hour. Miss Silver observed the sheet with interest. It had been cut down by a couple of inches, obviously in order to remove an address. The writing showed signs of hurry and there were two blots. She decided that it might be interesting to see this Mrs. Smith and to find out what she wanted. But she had time not only to finish her breakfast and to read first dear Ethel's letter, so warm, so full of the details of a happy family life, 
and afterwards with frowning distaste that from Gladys Robinson, which differed only from many of her previous efforts in that it went so far as actually to ask for money. Andrew keeps me so short, and if I take it out of the housekeeping, he goes on dreadfully. He doesn't seem to think that I must have clothes, and he is quite disagreeable if I so much as speak to anyone else. So if you possibly could, dear auntie,